thousands of years. Any idea of what you've done? That was a one-of-a-kind specimen. No, Professor. It was one of two. That is a one-of-a-kind specimen. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. They're frequently dumb, but they're sometimes astute. They're always emphatic on a degree absolute. They're breaking the prisoner right down to the root. That whole TV show on a degree absolute. If you like lava lamps and weather balloons and whack-ass inflections from Patrick McGoon, Chris and Glenn made a podcast especially for you. It's no degree partial, it's a degree absolute. absolute. Glenn. Chris. Some days you eat the bone, some days the bone eats you. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Words of wisdom. Uh-huh. Top of the dome, how many times would you guess that Stan Winston has won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects? Well, uh, I'm going to guess. He's dead now. He's no longer with us. Yeah, but... okay, so that's going to cut him off from the running. I'd say five. Very close. Mm-hmm. He won Four times for Aliens, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I think he, he actually got two, two categories for, for T2. And for Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. A mere eight years after Secret Baby of the Lost Legend, but a different era. Yep. Would you say? It's I think I would say. An entirely different era in look and in feel and in who this movie's for. We'll get to that. <laughs> yes. Well, get the cheeseburgers ready, Glenn, because uh, we'll be home by Christmas. <laughs> By which I mean, I don't think we need to spend two hours <laughs> deconstructing the 92 minutes of today's film, Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. I think you should introduce our, our guest before we get on to our uh, tedious and yet obligatory preamble. But. Okay, because he will have things to say. He, he will be germane. He, we are joined tonight by an author, a comedy writer, a podcaster, a bon vivant. Uh, you know him from my favorite podcast of all time in the known and unknown universe in perpetuity, Jordan Jesse Go. You know him from the funniest narrative podcast out there, Bubble, and the graphic novel that came out of it, also called Bubble, which just as we are taping this, has been nominated for two Eisner Awards, which is a big fucking deal. He's written for Earth yeah. to Ned, he's written for Unikitty, he's written for At Midnight, but he's also here... Because as a toe-headed youth, and in, he was an inveterate, an invertebrate di- dinosaur kid. Jordan Morris, my friend, welcome. Hi, hi. Yes, you're right, Glenn. For for a brief time as a child, I did not have a spine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in that time that I was an invertebrate, I uh, consoled myself with dinosaur books. Uh, well, congrats on the on the Eisners again. Are you going to go? You going to go to the ceremony? Thank you. Yeah, I I think so. Uh, it, it it this it is an award show for comic books. I could show. You know, in the email, they call it a gala. <laughs> it's a gala for comic books, and uh-huh. uh, it is in San Diego. I'm in Pasadena, so it's a quick drive for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try. And, and um, you know, the, the thing on my mind now is what to wear. What do you wear to a comic book <laughs> awards show? Uh-huh. Um, I'm guessing um, Aloha shirt and pork pie hat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Leather matrix jacket, all sure. three. <laughs> yep. 
I've been watching Miami Vice. During the pandemic, I got the complete box set of uh, all five seasons of Miami Vice, but nice. I only just took the cellophane off of it like six weeks ago. But anyway, Jordan, the, the uh, wardrobe that you were describing, considering for, for the Eisner Awards, uh, I think that's the Swiatek in, in Miami Vice. Parlance. Ah, okay, the, good, yes, good. Now, the, I know what to, now I know what to say. When yeah, I Crockett and Tubbs always look real cool, and then Swiatek and Zito were, were like yeah. the, you know, they were the two cops who had to drive like the fake exterminator van around with the giant bug on top. And, uh, <laughs> when I don't know, you go in to the boutique, with your giant shopping bags like your pretty woman and you just all you have to do is go up to them twirl in the mirror and say give me this white tech and yeah uh, they'll figure you, you out with that um so i have been to the eisners once to cover it yeah, for npr yeah. and uh it is a bunch of tables and uh, every kind of famous comic book and comic book adjacent person you know is there maybe even you know especially this year i think after such a long kind of hiatus from the ceremony uh it's a hell of a good time it is a marathon not a sprint it takes a while um okay. there's lots and lots of categories so you know a time your uh liquid intake because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's a long one but it is so much fun and it is just a a room full of good feeling and all the all the kind of fans and the people dressed as uh, a cowboy bebopper, you know, in the back. Hmm. And all the people kind of dressed, I would say, you know, nice. Like, okay, kicky, kicky casual, I would say. Hmm. Don't, don't okay, knock yourself like, out. Uh, yeah, blazer, blazer over uh, something. If you do a blazer over anything, you are ahead of the pack. Yes, you'll okay. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, is, listen, this, is a, this is a tacky question. Open bar. Yep. Indeed. Okay. Indeed, okay. indeed. Yep. All right. Oh, wow. Um, all right, so I was going to ask about the risk of fisticuffs, but um, uh, know, maybe, maybe slightly elevated. I would say it's, slim it's to possible. none, yeah. unless you have very no? strong opinions about anime. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> subs or dubs. Subs or dubs. <laughs> Come on, let's throw down. <laughs> uh, how did your dinosaur love manifest as a kid? When did it, when was it onset? How long did it last? What what yeah, form did it take? I I all of my childhood. There is some sort of every childhood memory I have. There is some sort of dinosaur paraphernalia, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, in 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 the frame somewhere. Uh, yeah, I just loved them. I'm not exactly sure why. I just know. I guess I know that like dinosaurs are just one of those things that like a kid becomes. Like there's horse kids, there's truck kids, uh-huh, there, uh-huh. and it's just a kind of kid. And I was it. And yeah, and I think like an like it's one of those things that a like parent is happy to indulge because uh-huh. it's kind of educational. Um, <laughs> it's science adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's sciencey. So so yeah. So a lot of trips to the Natural History Museum. Basically, all of my childhood toys were from the mm. Natural History Museum gift shop. Uh-huh. Um, well, where did you grow up, Jordan? Uh, I grew up in Orange County, uh, oh, okay. Orange County, California. So. Uh, we could uh, we could go up to the Natural History Museum. We could also go to the La Brea Tar Pits. No dinosaurs at the La Brea Tar Pits, uh, but it was just dinosaur adjacent enough to where yep. I was happy to go. It's a lot of um, like Ice Age, Ice Age animals but or mammoths. Aren't there statues of <laughs> dinosaurs being caught in the Tar Pits, or are they mammoths being caught? In the uh, those, are mammoths. Mammoths uh, those are mammoths. Those are mammoths. It is okay. a mammoth family oh. being ripped apart by a tar pit. It is so <laughs> fucking grim. It's the <laughs> grimmest thing just to see while you're driving down Wilshire to the yeah. Ralphs. I, I thought I remembered some gag in uh, the immortal last action hero which uh, oh, of yes. course opened opened one week after Jurassic Park and and was roundly trounced by it but like that that whole summer there was like it was thought that that might actually be the other box oh, yeah. office rival for Arnold the summer was, and Arnold was at his zenith he there, was at full power yeah, yeah. 
And I don't think without the Liberia Tar Pits, you don't get a skin of evil. You don't get the death of Tasha Yar in <laughs> in Next Generation because oh, yeah. that's sure. how she goes. That's how she goes. Um, so I think I was thinking about this, right? So every kid has like a truck phase, like toddler phase. Hmm. And then comics usually come later. If you're going to be a comics kid, yeah. you have to at least be able to read-ish or, you know, just... Sure. But if you... If you Go into everybody I know who went into dinosaurs. That's not like a phase. That is a thing for them. That is yeah. a that is a good long thing. And it, it's it's not just like when they're three year old and they point out the window and go truck. I mean, it's like a thing about learning as much as you can, right. memorizing yes. the trees, yep. the phylogeny, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. How long did it last for you? I think it lasted. I mean, I think so. I think when I. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a like dinosaur bone digger upper. Okay. Um, a paleontologist, uh, yep. but I think I called it dinosaur bone digger upper for <laughs> even even after I knew the term paleontologist. Because <laughs> I'm not fancy, you know. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, but I think so. I, but I think when I once I realized that I I was no good at science. I was not a science kid. Uh, my yeah, so I, I think I kind of, in my mind, treated dinosaurs just like they were a comic book to me. They were a fantasy right. novel. They were like a fun other world to inhabit. I didn't like care about like carbon dating, sure. like carbon dating fossils and things like yeah. that and uh, uh, rock strata and the other and things. Trilobites, yeah. Trilobites, yes. Mm-hmm. Do not care about trilobites. Mm-hmm. So you were like my- one of those scientists in Prometheus. Who weren't really good at science or yes. particularly science? <laughs> yes, exactly. Or- yeah, I was. Uh, I was a real. I was a real Prometheus, and uh, yes, at some point my head will pop inside my spacesuit. <laughs> um, Should be uh, so. Yeah. So I think. So I think. Then I kind of like moved away from it um, and started like pursuing other other things. Your drama clubs. For Your instance. drama clubs. But mm. when did Jurassic Park come out in this whole kind of figure? Yeah, so thing? Jurassic Park was 93 and I was very uh I was very careful to let everyone know that technically it should be called Cretaceous Park <laughs> because <laughs> the dinosaurs in the most of the movies most of the dinosaurs in the movie are from the Cretaceous period. Sure they are. Um so, you know, har- the movie's basically ruined. Yes. It's hard no. <laughs> right. I loved it. It was perfect. I think I was 11 when it came out and just like and maybe kind of nearing the end of my dinosaur interest but like I I loved it I was so scared by it I read I not only read the you know Michael Crichton books but also the original text you you really have to go back to the text on that one exactly (laughs) you gotta get it pure Crichton's original vision Um, and then like other boring ass Michael Crichton books I just read because (laughs) I love the Andromeda strain oh I can't wait for Yeah. yeah I love you reading Disclosure yeah, yeah. <laughs> sexual harassment. A little eleven-year-old reading about sexual harassment. I, yeah, I, I read uh, right. so around the the my dra- like Jurassic Park, and, and there was a, a film adaptation of Rising Sun the same summer. So yep. I read I read those two, like mm-hmm. his you know Japanese panic kind of racist uh, sure. uh, crime thriller, and um, I, I got through that phase pretty quickly. And then like like maybe ten years ago, um, I don't someone gave me like a more recent one that was about nanobots or something and i was like fuck this i'm not gonna and i devoured it like yeah i don't even remember what it was called the guy can make you want to turn a page easy Um, come easy go but but i but in my childhood i like dinosaur movies were kind of fewer and far between and so as as a result of that i any movie with a dinosaur on the cover we 
rented mm. okay. between 30 and 40 times, including well, baby colon the secret of the lost. <laughs> Is it a colon or a comma? I, I think there's some some punctuation inconsistency here, depending on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one too many words you... in that title. <laughs> <laughs> you so know, you get... we, we did not know in 1985 how crucial punctuation would become to film titles as right. the, the decades wore on. I mean, mm-hmm. the Mission Impossible series or, or, you know, like Hobbs and Shaw presents colon the Fast and Furious. Co- right. no, wait, I got that yeah. backwards. But there's you need a copy editor on, Absolutely. Uh, on these yeah. titles. Uh, but Jordan, walk me through this. You got you got Baby Secret of Lost Legend. You got The Last Dinosaur. Yep. Caveman starring Ringo Starr. Oh, we read oh. that a lot. Are there dinosaurs in that? Huh? Are there dinosaurs in that? There are some, yeah. There's some kind of oh, uh, this man. caliber of dinosaur. Yeah. And I think you maybe even have a little Harryhausen-style stop motion in oh, that, which I really liked good. as a kid. Yeah. Um, so you have that. You have The Land Before Time, of which this uh, shares Jesus. some plot points with. We'll yep. get to that. Uh-huh. Um and something you also have that I think was mistakenly rented for me a couple of times was that genre of cave woman exploitation movies. Oh, sure. Yeah, we get a little glimpse of that in Belfast. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, right. really? You get One Million Years B.C. is the movie. Sophia Loren in, in her... Uh, Raquel, Raquel Welch. Welch. Right, right, Raquel right, right. So there's yeah, that, sorry. and then there, there's just a lot of knockoffs. And you see them late night on TCM sometimes. Sure you do. And uh, <laughs> I still stop, and they still give me a yeah. special feeling. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of like... Uh, mm-hmm. Cave woman movies that were just and the cave mm-hmm. very great grooming not a not an ounce of body hair on these ladies yeah right sure. uh, and you know uh, 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 cheetah mini dresses and things like this so uh, these <laughs> Terrence Malick's Tree of Life I imagine was a real um, a favorite and in, then of course Tree of uh, in the Life, Morris yes, House so of course, yeah Tree of right, Life. Okay. Um, it's a beautiful meditation uh, I have not seen the film. What about today, Jordan? Do you keep yeah. up with the vicissitudes of paleontology? Because it seems to me I always hear off the corner of my hearing that, oh, that well, we have determined that triceratops were not actually triceratops, but it actually yeah. blah, and that velociraptors <laughs> didn't blah. Like, do you keep up with all that kind of stuff? Uh, no, I mean, I don't follow Neil deGrasse Tyson on Twitter, okay. if that's what you're asking. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but no, I don't really keep up with the comings and goings of the of the scientific part of dinosaurs uh i still love to go to a natural history museum and Uh and and see things if there's a new if there's a new t-rex in town i'm going to see it and i will i will watch every jurassic park sequel they want to crank out Mm -hmm. and i cannot judge its quality because i'm so emotionally attached to the music uh Uh, are these new ones good i don't know i don't know i will see them Mm. 10 times Uh uh so yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with dinosaurs. It was kind of like a fun period of childhood. Still love to ingest dinosaur media from time to time. But um, but no, I'm not like keeping up with the like recategorization of like arthropods. Mm. Sure. And did the feathers revelation rock your world? Did you do you remember when we learned that they actually had feathers? Uh, I do, and I've rejected that. Oh, to me, see. they don't have feathers. Right. <laughs> okay. To me, they will never. Not my. Not my right. dinosaur. I was going to say, not my dinosaur. That was a, a myth that was started by Elton John's exactly. publicist. Glenn. Thank you, yes. Where in your personal pantheon do Brontosaurus or Brontosaurus fall? Yes. Well, I mean, technically, they're calling it a patasaurus. The brontosaurus. Oh, see, here's the species. thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Yeah, that happened. That happened when I was a kid, and uh, right. that was a world rocker. Is that like, <laughs> technically there's no 
animal called the Brontosaurus. It's called uh, the Patasaurus. It's like okay. when Pluto got downgraded from planet to whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something like that. I forget exactly why that is a thing, but I remember that being something that I would smugly say to other kids on the playground like if they said Brontosaurus. Um, I was a real little shit. I should have gotten kicked in the teeth. Um, I Beautiful, majestic. Uh, I like that they can go underwater. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, I think it, you know in a lot of my dinosaur books, you do see them getting killed by predators. That is, uh, they're a docile grazing <laughs> nice. animal, so you do see them getting killed by predators a lot. Which I we also see in, in this film. We definitely see the most dangerous game, just just machine gunning <laughs> uh, a poor innocent uh, brontosaurus in this yeah. movie. It's very very brutal, just brutal. triggering. No pun intended. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I like a, this sort of dinosaur. We can call them a brontosaurus. I don't. I appreciate I, I, that. I we can leave that. that. <laughs> It'll just get so too complicated. So, yes, I like a brontosaurus, um, and I liked these brontosauruses as a kid. Okay, and you saw it many, many times. You said many times. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get started. Jordan, you're here because you're great. You're here because you're funny. You're here because you're a dinosaur guy. Chris, what are we watching today? The subject of our investigation today is 1985's Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, Glenn. Uh-huh. It's a, a natural fit for this podcast because in 1966, Patrick Bagoon started the long-running TV spy series Danger Man, resigned at the height of that show's popularity to create a new series about a spy who resigns from government service and wakes up in a mysterious, inescapable village where many residents, albeit certainly by no means all residents, are referred to only by their number. Surreal and provocative, silly and pretentious ahead of its time and innately and unambiguously and lavid lampedly of its time, that short-lived, long-tailed series was called The Prisoner. Yeah, it was. Thank you. <laughs> I just, you know, I need a, I need a second. There. Okay. No lies detected. No lies detected. 18 years later, and I'm, I'm going to say they were hard years. Mm. 18 oh, hard years later. We'll talk. Our man, Patty McGee, <laughs> he played the villainous Dr. Eric Kvyat in this Disney-produced family adventure film from the director of More American Graffiti, the another 48 hours of 1970s nostalgia flicks about the 1960s which opened in March of 85, right in the middle of Patty McGee's 120-show Broadway run of Pack of Lies. Hmm. Okay. That's why we're talking a baby. That's why we're talking Because this is an, an in-depth Julian Fellows podcast. Oh. We love Gosford Park. We love the Gilded Age. And, and we love Baby Secret of the Lost Legend because we are Julian Fellows completists. Yes, here. we are. All right. So, do you want to walk us through? How do I you do. kick off I your, do. Uh, I do. Your, your intro thing ah well i give a big resigned sigh and uh, then i i welcome everyone to the private personal by hand (laughs) tangent tolerant but properly punctuated punch card driven podcast where we take this unclassifiable and unforgettable television series the prisoner Uh and related documents related loosely related oh do you need to brief jordan on the metric system already briefed oh outstanding okay he knows he's he knows the thing Uh uh-huh uh-huh well Mm-hmm. We take it and we push it uh-huh. like aging test pilot Pete Maverick Mitchell refusing to be satisfied with reaching a mere Mach 10 record in the top secret hypersonic aircraft he's flying in this weekend's long awaited, long delayed sequel to a 1980s smash Top Gun Maverick starring the same unsettlingly intense Scientologist who appeared in 1983's Losing It directed by Bill L. Norton, whose next project Glenn was baby secret of the lost legend. Okay, now, Jordan, um, you can have your own metric. We're going to rate this on a scale of one to six because, of course, Patrick McGowan played number six on The Prisoner. The metric system. He knows what the metric system is. One to six. (laughs) Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. One to six is a classic way to measure things. Um, 
My personal rubric, my personal metric is based mm. on uh, pithiness and relevance. Okay. Yours might be based mm -hmm. on things like sweatiness, in which case you might rate this higher than me. Yeah. But that's, that's <laughs> up to you. Sweaty movie. Maverick is a very sweaty movie. Yes. I didn't see you at the screening, Glenn, but the rest of us had a great <sighs> time. Don't care. So you are rating, you are rating that uh, word salad that uh, Chris just unleashed about uh -huh. push it. So I'll let you go first. You are the best. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So let's. Yeah. Let's. Let's think about <laughs> metrics. Um, yes, it is a sweaty movie. Uh, it's a short movie. That's good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think. Right, and and you will rate the movie yeah. eventually. We're gonna rate the right movie. Now, eventually. Oh, what am I rating now? Okay, sorry. You're sorry. just rating my simile. You're just rating my tortured simile uh, on, on the inverse Wordle scale, in which six is great and one is poor. Right, because we're gonna be going through. We push it like. We file it like. We. <laughs> Uh, index it like, and mm -hmm. so all of these little things that Chris. Okay. Will I think now I should do. read it again. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit again. me again. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I got lost. <laughs> I want to figure this out. I want to solve the puzzle. Yep, yep, okay. yep, yep, yep. This is yeah, good. Just, just diagram the sentence. This following. Uh, Glenn is famous on the internet for his run-on sentences. He has been chided for it. Uh, he has been made a, an object lesson, a, a an example of negative reinforcement, where where. Um, Linguistic know-it-alls on mm -hmm. YouTube have cited him as an example of, of how not to construct okay, a sentence. Okay, I'm not going to let that so sit, Chris. Let's, let's um, <laughs> what they did, Jordan, was they took a sentence of mine uh -huh. and they broke it and made Wait, it like into a, a run-on sentence. Like a uh -huh. grammar YouTube yes. guy? They, yeah. they took, yeah. they took a, a sentence cop. from my The Batman Review. Would you believe it was actually a grammar cop lady, which okay. I think is rarer, but I guess they're out there. Let's look at a sentence by Glenn Weldon writing about the new Batman movie for NPR. They took a sentence and they removed it. They, they, they took a sentence of mine and they took out the semicolon right. and they just said, this is an example mm -hmm. of run-on sentence. Here are some ways you could fix it. So, did you see any mistakes in that sentence by Glenn Weldon? I hope you did. I hope you saw that this is actually two complete sentences without proper punctuation between them. And then they went through all the different ways to fix my broken sentence. And then they said, or you could add a semicolon right here, which in fact is what the original author did. So it's Fuck fine. You. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it was disingenuous. So anyway. Uh, Glenn, those types... And I listen. I'm I'm I speak on the internet occasionally, so I get this. Uh, they have they they're not taking style into account, and you have style to spare in but your writing. I was not style wrong. Is, is no, you point. weren't. No, <laughs> no, that too. That too. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. So we're all warmed up now. Yep. Grading pencil sharp. Again, he's going to go push, file, index, stamp, brief, debrief, numbered. You're going to be writing each of those similes, tortured as they are. Okay. <clears throat> We take this unclassifiable and unforgettable television series, The Prisoner, and related mm -hmm. documents, and we push it like aging test pilot Pete Maverick Mitchell refusing to be satisfied with Mach 10 in the top-secret hypersonic aircraft he's flying in the first scene of this weekend's long-awaited, long-delayed sequel to a 1980s smash, Top Gun Maverick, starring the same unsettlingly intense Scientologist who appeared in 1983's Losing It, directed by Bill L. Norton, who went on to direct Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. We push it like that. Oh, six out of six. That's great. Are you kidding me? No, okay. I love it. I loved right. it. Okay. And once I got what was going on, now All I right. like it. I okay. think it's very good. All right.
Let's just pause. For, I'm going to play 15 seconds of Danger Zone right here. Oh, <laughs> good God. Um, uh, I'll just Jordan, be playing volleyball while that happens. <laughs> Jordan, I suspect all of these will be Top Gun adjacent. Just, that's just my theory. Okay. Shows. It's in the zeitgeist. We're all, we're all, no, all no I'm, I'm going to save that for the Amy Nicholson episode since she literally wrote the book on She Tom did write a book on Tom Cruise. Um, so I'm going to give this... You're going to get an extra point because you did eventually eventually bring it back to uh, BWL Norton. Norton. So uh-huh. uh, it's a four out of six for me. All right. Thank you, Glenn. That is generous considering. We file it like the casting director of Star Wars placing Baby Secret of the Lost Legends star William Katz headshot in a manila folder behind that of Mark Hamill. Uh, and, and if you do go to YouTube and look for William Katz Star Wars screen test, you'll find him reading opposite Kurt Russell as Han Solo. And they're speaking a lot of dialogue that uh, you'll probably recognize was revised prior to shooting. Well, we're getting a major's been destroyed. What's left of it is contaminated. That's it there. Look at those radiation readouts. It's impossible. I've never seen anything like it. The Empire must have gotten here first. The planet has been completely blown away. This would have taken a thousand ships with more firepower than I've ever seen. If the Empire had some sort of new weapon that could do this, I'd, I'd have heard something. I'd know about it. Well, now you know. The enemy's on the move. We haven't much time. So, yeah, we file it like the casting director of Star Wars, William Katz headshot, et cetera, et cetera. Jordan? Oh, that, that's interesting. Six. Six out of six. Yeah, I'm also going to give you a six out of six, Chris, because that was a factoid that I had, and now I don't have to unleash it. But uh, you can see it, right? You can see it, like William Cat. You can totally see it. I think he's to- he's he's good. He's good in this. Uh, yeah, I'm pro Cat. But the, if- the comic book thought that I had watching this movie was looking at at William Cat, uh, and we'll we'll talk more about him in in his prior credits. But I was thinking about Grant Morrison's initial run on Animal Man. Okay. Um, and I was wondering if this guy was not the model for, I think Charles Trog or Truogs was the artist for mm-hmm. those that, for those first two years of Animal Man that Grant Morrison wrote. I don't know. This is exactly how I imagine Animal Man looking in real life as William Cat in this movie. Well, I mean, on Greatest American Hero, which is where he made his bones just, I think, a year or two mm-hmm. earlier. All I remember is the song. of curly hair like a just a giant just mane of curly hair that i found tremendously unsexy Mm -hmm. Uh, he looks a lot better here but i mean i think once you hear if you're a casting director and you hear a mark hamill say but i wanted to go to tashi station for some power converters you're not going to go back you're going to be like cut print here's our here's our guy (laughs) here's our guy that's our luke Get this little whiner a lightsaber. <laughs> if you have a Harrison Ford on on the set also, he might look at get the cheeseburgers ready and say, you know, BLW Norton, whatever, you can type this shit, but you, you sure can't, can't say, say it. You sure can't say it. it. Okay, yeah. next one. All right, all right. Six and a four. I, I love it. I love it. <clears throat> we index it like the back of Roger Ebert's video companion, which in the days before the internet was where you would have gone to find his one-star Chicago Sun-Times review of Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, wherein Ebert actually called the dinosaur effects of this film surprisingly believable. Yeah. But identified uh, the characters played by Sean Young and William Cat as Peace Corps volunteers, which were they? I don't I, think that was that's news right. To me when I read that, yeah. yeah, I don't think so either. 
Although it, it is, it, I don't think they are Peace Corps. I also read this review. I don't think they are Peace Corps volunteers, but I do not know what they are. <laughs> no, <laughs> she's a bone enthusiast, and he's a sports. He is teacher? filing stories about African baseball to yeah. the right. post. His editor on the other end of the phone tells him enough with the African baseball stories, George. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but right. So not not yeah. sure Ebert about made a leap, and you know about Ebert's a, police work there, but but. He called McGowan evil, which check. He yep. called the colonel trigger happy, check. Mm-hmm. And he called Julian Fellows bitchy. Check, 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 check. I know, check, right? Check. <laughs> He's not wrong. What is my score? Yeah, I was, I'm going to give you another six. I thought that was right. Yeah, Chris, what you're doing is you're saving me some work because all these pieces of information are here in my notes and I don't have yeah. to say them now, so I'm going to mm-hmm. give you a five out of six for that. All right, we brief it like the tears shed by a baby brontosaurus upon seeing her mother's recently oh, bullet-riddled yeah. neck being picked at by vultures. Oh. Yeah. The vulture was a nice touch. I like the vulture. Yeah. Uh, do dinosaurs have tear ducts, Jordan, or anyone? Do we know? Uh, I, I don't think they do, but this I think I think this that was kind of an impressionistic shot i don't think that was nice. meant to be realistic there's a yes. dream logic to this a movie logic mm-hmm. excellent yes that was meant all right. to all right you so know, what's your rating inward uh six out of six mm-hmm. perfect okay yeah. Yeah. sensing a theme <laughs> um it was brief it was pithy comparatively uh so mm-hmm. five out of six another five out of six <laughs> It's the eyes that seem completely dead. They seem like Muppet eyes. They seem like Kermit eyes. Gosh, that's, yeah. That's the issue. That's the issue here. These dinosaurs reminded me of so many mini golf courses that I have <laughs> yes, visited. Yes, that's in my it. Life. Yes, that's 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 the perfect way to describe it. <laughs> the um, paint's chipping off them. <laughs> Bunch of old cigarette butts around them. <laughs> Vomit-resistant paint. Tiny pencils littered mm-hmm. around the butt with tiny yeah. pencils. <laughs> we debrief it like a young paleontologist and her frustrated sports writer husband prepping for an afternoon quickie right after she has finished applying mud to the numerous implied but unseen bee stings he incurred while climbing a tree to get whatever fruit it is that the voracious baby so covets. Uh, wasp, wasp stings, malumbo fruit. Go on. <laughs> All right. Well, you can you can dock me a point for that or uh, two points. First, Jordan. Six. Uh, yeah, yeah. Six. I like that one, six, too. Six. Yeah. Like, he goes shirtless yeah. so much here where there's just mosquitoes. Like, he would be eaten alive. Okay. Um, this also could be something we'll get to later, but I was so blown away by the fact that he is either shirtless or in a polo shirt and slacks. He is either... <laughs> yeah. There's no middle ground. <laughs> no, and it's a, probably a million degrees out there, and he's yeah. dressed like he works at a cell phone store. <laughs> it, is, it is wild how those are his two outfits. He doesn't have anything between that right. and shirtless. Yep. And, and the one thing I will say for this movie, I mean, this, they really did shoot this movie in the Ivory Coast, right? And yep. you can tell. I mean, this does not look like some backlot, right? So nope. I, I believe they were it's genuinely not. uncomfortable making this film. All right, four to six for me. Next one. 
All right. And finally, we number it like a box office chart documenting this film's position as the 60th highest grossing film of 1985, right behind King Solomon's Mines, but just ahead of 2010, the year we make contact. Now, I need to specify that 2010 had been released the prior December and had made most of its money on the 1984 chart. So that's why it looks like such an underperformer here. Uh, My dad took me to see 2010 in the theater. He did not take me to see Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. Number it like that. Uh, uh, one. That was terrible. <laughs> oh, sorry. This is the end. Yeah, sorry. This one. Is the end. Oh God. Oh God. He came so close to scoring my above triumphant for, arc. Or this above, is um, which is which is a whole thing oh. for him. Um, yeah, oh. I'm gonna give it a six, Chris. Whatever. Oh, Glenn. So Yeah, so much information crammed into yeah. that. I, I'm, I'm usually I love I love relevance and I love pithiness. But if you can get, if you can make me not have to read from my notes a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I also love that. All right, number one film of 1985. Anyone? Anyone? This is an easy one. Back to the Future. So easy. There you go. Okay. All you have to do is open your heart to the power of love, Glenn. Oh, God. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get it. All right. Anyway, so we're going to talk Magoons. We're going to talk MacGuffins. Yeah, Our inquiry into this televisionary landmark and, again, related documents and ephemera is not of a degree specious. No, it's not. It's not of a degree capricious. Uh-uh. It's most certainly not of a degree word that rhymes with those other two words. What is it, Glenn? It's of a degree absolute, Chris. Nobody puts baby in a corner, Glenn. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah. There we go. More of those. More of those. We got there. We got there. Sometimes. And only sometimes. All I wanted to do was find my very own dinosaur. A unique event happens. Looks like a brontosaurus. When history catches up with us. A desperate last attempt by mankind to save the last of the dinosaurs. Sean Young. Not everybody gets to experience this. William Cat. Baby. The secret of the lost legend. Okay, so Baby Secret of a Lost Legend, 1985, a touchstone film. One of the first, probably, touchstone films. That was not the touchstone logo that I remember. I feel like that was a temp logo or something. Quickly retired. So, touchstone being the Disney, not Disney. The Disney, but sort of for adults, even though this is a PG-rated family adventure. I feel like Disney were still G-rated or animated in this era. Yeah. There is a real... Who is this for? Exactly. Watching this movie, there, it is. It is at once the most eye-rolling kid movie and the most brutal adult movie. Yeah, it it's is also the boring. The, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Also, yes, but also too boring for either of those categories. When a ninety-minute film can manage to be boring, I mean, that's something. Let's let's give it up for for that. That's not so easy. But you mentioned this is a this is a it's a touchstone film, a branch of Disney, and you know, we, I think we all know. IP comes back around. Oh, um, God. So I think this is a, as good a place as any to announce that I am show running the <laughs> Disney Plus Dr. Kiviat prequel <laughs> series. <laughs> There'll be no dinosaurs, just him stabbing people for files. 
stabbing people in a PG-13 way. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to explain how he got the outfit where his hat band matches his tie? Because I was I was impressed nice. by that that level of coordination. Yeah, we're we're going to go there. Yeah, I think like Solo, people just kind of like wondering like how did how did every <laughs> right. aspect of this man's personality come to be? So like any streaming series, you're going to go like five episodes, then you're going to have an episode that just concentrates on the hat band. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From? Again, it was a movie uh, pitch first, but we're stretching right, it out to sure. a yeah. series. Totally so yeah, cool. you gotta have okay. a couple episodes. Five and six are gonna be a little, uh, you know, a little sweaty. But you take a minor character, the hat band. Yeah. Find out why when he that, that insert of him uh, gutting that guy with the machete uh, at the the parade uh, is in slow motion <laughs> for some reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so jarring and weird. It's yeah. such, such an oddly like shot edited moment. Yep. Bye. Um, Director B.W.L. Norton, who actually usually goes by Bill L. Norton, uh, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Chris, a very journeyman director. Like, if you look up journeyman in the, mm-hmm. in the dictionary, here's the guy. <laughs> yep. Wrote the script for Convoy, wrote and directed the sequel to American Graffiti, which was yeah. called... More American Graffiti. More American Graffiti, <laughs> which seems like a first pass attempt. It's, your heart's not in it. <laughs> Here's more. And we'll change this later. This is a placeholder. This is a placeholder. We'll change it. We'll change it. Oh, yeah. fuck. We released the movie. <laughs> yeah. More Star Wars. Um, he yeah. also wrote the script for <laughs> Losing It, which is that Tom Cruise, Shelley Long, and mm-hmm. inevitably Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, teen yeah. sex comedy. Because you can't make Never a teen actually sex comedy seen in the it. 80s without Booger. Yeah. Got have Curtis no. Curtis Armstrong in there. Curtis Armstrong, the great. And good oh, is Curtis he still Armstrong. around? Yeah, he is, and he just wrote a, he wrote a memoir a couple years back. Solid memoir. Oh, you know, I bet he could do the convention circuit. He does the convention. Circuit. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. He He's got some good Tom Cruise stories. Uh, so Norton made his bones directing TV, Buffy, Hercules, Medium, Law and Order, Criminal oh, yeah, Intent, right. which meant he had to deal with D'Onofrio, and <laughs> he directed the video game of Law and Order, Criminal Intent, which apparently was a thing. There's a video game. We are catching Sean Young here between Dune and No Way Out. Um, she doesn't have much longer as kind of the hot Hollywood property. This couldn't have helped. Um, famously, she was cast about six years later. She was cast as Vicki Vale in Tim Burton's Batman. No, just a few. Actually, about four years later. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But she broke her arm while riding a horse and Kim Basinger took over. She then tried desperately to get the role of Catwoman. She dressed up as Catwoman, went on the Joan Rivers show, because that was the thing, and she was cracking her whip, and she had the mask, and she was saying, hire me, Tim Burton. For the director of Batman 2, how dare you not make time to see the Catwoman? Not even so much as granting me a meeting. How very rude of you. After all, I was in the original Batman cast. She also snuck onto the Warner Brothers lot and kind of stalked him in the writer's bungalows there. Um, so the writing was on the wall. For I, I want you to know that I, I considered that anecdote for Push It, Glenn. No, it, it, would have, it would have fit for Push It, but you did you did really well. It was the only place I could get Maverick. We got to distribute the anecdotes. You got to distribute. <laughs> you got to you got to sprinkle them out. Um, so William Chat again. I didn't think he was hot in Greatest American Hero here. I thought he was kind of hot here. He's playing a dick, but yep. he's playing a dick. <sighs> Um, pretty I well. I cannot figure your type, man. You you are endlessly surprising. He was in Carrie, right? He's he was. The, yes. He also had that same, he held that mm-hmm. same mop of curly hair in Carrie. Yeah. He's, <laughs> that same polo shirt. <laughs> Probably did. <laughs> and he's got, you know, this is the 80s, and while there's the Schwarzeneggers and the Rambos, you know, this, he's got a tight little bod here. He's got, you know, that's... Yeah, sure. And we see it, too. We see we it see during... During, when he's yeah, when he is not dressed like <laughs> your dad on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> How's that car running, sport? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is '85, so PG-13 had been introduced by this time, right? Because yep. uh, Gremlins and Temple of Doom oh, yeah. were the summer 
before this, but this is still the time when we we see both non-sexual nudity because there are there are some bare breasts in the among the dancers in the in the opening scene, mm-hmm. and then in that very uninviting looking quickie in in the swamp or whatever, he unclasps Sean Young's bra, and I mean her back is to the camera, but yep. he still we still see him take her bra, which I mean I feel like now that would be a PG thirteen, for sure. Definitely, absolutely. So we begin, Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, this title. Um, legend already kind of implies lost, right? right. It's, and and mm. As does secret, in a way. As does secret. It's just there's <laughs> yeah. too many words here. <laughs> yeah. Baby think, the Lost Legend, or Baby... Yeah, maybe that's my pitch for ideal yeah. simplification of this title. Yeah, and how is the word baby helping to bring people I know, to this right? movie? I know, right? I know. Because that's... Like our eight-year-old boys or whomever, like, I don't want to see a movie that has baby. That's probably why I didn't see this in 1985. That's exactly why I didn't go see it. I mean, I was much older, but I like, this is a film for babies. I didn't want to see it. Sure. So we get a title card at the very beginning in the equatorial rainforest of West Africa. There are two separate yet equally important groups. No, it doesn't say that. It says, <laughs> it says, rumors persist of a huge reptile-like creature said to be larger than an adult elephant. The natives call it Mokele Mobembe. Numerous expeditions have been mounted in its pursuit. So far, none have met success. Look, if this didn't register for you guys, we can just move past it. It's probably a me thing. I hate this font. <laughs> do, you, do you know this font? No, do you I, this no font? I like yep. disagree. I like the font. Uh, oh, my and God. You, and you just knew that it was going to come back at the end when it announced at the, the end. end. The <laughs> B doesn't come, come all the way to the bar. It's it's so annoying. It's so, like, it's it should be for a science fiction movie. This is Glenn's Tough Talk for Typefaces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a new segment. You do have a YouTube show where you critique fonts, <laughs> right? right? That's right. <laughs> For the next three hours. Comic Sans, an American tragedy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Julian Fellows is in this. He is playing a posh, toffee-nosed prig. Uh, He writes Downton Abbey, of course. He did did all kinds of things. I'm just going to be shallow. I'm going to say that guy has a face for screenwriting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The camera does not love him. Or playing a Nigel. This is the uber-Nigel. This is like the ur-Nigel of all Nigels. Like He is like, if you think of a Nigel, that you think of this guy playing this. Um, so, so we see a parade uh, in an indigenous uh, of, mm-hmm. of indigenous West African people. I'm going to say it's Nigeria because the town yeah. that they mentioned they're in, uh, Agbomosho, is in Nigeria. Are we get a Jerry Goldsmith, Goldsmith score. It's surprising that they could afford Jerry Goldsmith, right? There are so many times when the score is soaring and what we're getting on screen is just puppets yeah. talking yep. to each other. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like this is. Yeah, I just in my in my kind of browsing around about this movie after watching it, I guess he. He loves the score for this and insisted yeah, that, that tracks from this be included on his like retrospective. Like oh, obviously they didn't want to include them because <laughs> it's attached to this bad yeah. movie that no one remembers. Yeah. But yeah, I think he it, it from what it sounds like, I think he really like treasures yeah. treasures this this work. Mm-hmm. Goldsmith, like I think of Chinatown, yeah. I think of Alien, I think of Star Trek motion picture, and mm-hmm. they repurposed that theme for Next Generation later. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of, uh, well, actually, Star Trek is the only one of those that you would call soaring, I think. Mm-hmm. But this man does not lack for memorable credits. But I don't know, it's sort of interesting when you have the, like this prolific artist, they really love this kind of forgotten thing that mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't expect. Yeah. So we meet a very naturally dressed Patty McGee, Patrick mm-hmm. McGowan. The reason we're doing this podcast, um, you know, Jordan, we have watched some movies where he is, his after prisoner work is just 
runs the gamut. We have seen right. him be really, really good and have a really expansive role, like in uh, the Braveheart or in mm-hmm. a film called uh, Kings and Desperate Men, um, which is kind of a cat and mouse psychological great thing. And we've also seen him like stagger out of a doorway in The Phantom for like three <laughs> minutes of screen time and then yeah. like die because he basically died. Uh, yeah, I would that. say that in this movie, I would say that he is paychecking. Yeah. There is yeah. some, yeah, I would think that's his kind of acting style here. In a couple moments, a, a a great performance does kind of come out or kind of suggests that in a different movie or a different version of this movie, he could have been great. But yeah, he looks like he's uh, wondering when lunch is. Yeah, or when cocktail hour is, as we know. About. Sure. <laughs> scene to scene. Like, you, you can tell which, which days he was present and which days he was not. Yeah, what he doesn't do here is the thing we love him for, which is make big choices. There's not a lot of right. big choices here. No. These, are, these are where you think. He is 57 years young. Yeah. And he's playing mm. Eric. Uh, he's got a Panama hat. He's got that cane. He does the PG-13 stabbing. Have you guys seen Marathon Man? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. It's, it's been a while, but yes, okay. I have seen Marathon Man. Soon Marathon Man, Lawrence Olivier is playing an ex-Nazi. He goes to the jewelry district of New York City. Um, he slices somebody who recognizes him as being a Nazi, slices the guy's throat, and then he kind of tiptoes away. And it, I always, <laughs> I, I've rewound that so many times because it's like, death spurt, and then he kind of, and you can almost hear like the, like the Hanna-Barbera cartoon of him tiptoeing away. In one of his screenwriting memoirs, William Goldman writes about writing that scene and I, I think he was adapting his own novel you know as with princess bride there but he he claims that when the day he wrote the torture scene where where uh olivier is torturing dustin hoffman that uh, like his neighbor told him later that like all day he had been screaming the lines and he, he claims he has no memory of this so, like he was actually yelling is it safe is it safe anyway that's that's what goldman said that's what goldman said he grabs the guy's briefcase. He sees some blurry photos of a patasaurus, a brontosaurus. And then we cut to William Cat, who is trying to teach some Nigerians baseball. And they <laughs> but just they just don't, don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it, guys. Turns out he's a journalist. Uh, he gets informed that he's got a job. He's been offered a job on the sports desk at the Washington Post, and they're going to be going back home. Okay, did they say she the Washington Post? She later says the Post is a big deal, so yes. She yeah. says that, right, she says the Post, uh, and I noticed it. I, I remember Washington Post there, too. Glenn, I'm, I'm uh, okay. I'll back you Well, I was, uh, the reason I was asking is, so Paul Atanasio. Um, oh, we're going to get to that. Isn't don't, that. Don't, he went out to be a pretty successful screenwriter. He also gave, okay. he gave a review of this movie, which right. we'll talk about. I noticed in his review, he inferred, or, or unless they said Washington Post, and I missed it, but he inferred Washington Post in the Washington Post. And I'm like, could have been the New York Post. Could have been the Denver Post. Yeah, no, a, lot right? of a lot of posts out there. A lot of posts out there. Uh, Sean Young is a Susan. She's got a neck bone uh, that she shows to Eric. He says it's only 80 years old. And he is, Patty's choice here is to play it nice. And uh, William Cat. Hang on, Glenn. What, what's what's his very first line in the movie? What is Patty McGee's first line I in the movie? Don't remember? Go ahead. I'm gonna get the first word wrong, but not the second word. I believe she puts the bone down, and he says, uh, "Downright Jurassic." Pure Jurassic. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good. Pure Jurassic. Foreshadowing. I wonder. I'm I'm curious to th- hear what you guys think about this, but there are some moments in this where I'm like. Is Spielberg using this for Jurassic Park? <laughs> huh. And I think his outfit is so similar to true. John Hammond's. There's a couple oh, moments in show, and I, you know, Jurassic Park is one of those movies that I, you know, just know like the back of my eyelids and like 
I did recognize some stuff. I did recognize some shots mm-hmm. and things. And uh-huh. yeah, his kind of performance, although the, the the character is not evil in Jurassic Park, but it it does seem like maybe he was an inspiration. Anyway. I just think Attenborough is doing so much more with that character. He is. Oh awesome. yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's terrific. Oh, terrific! A living, breathing person. Yes, if if you have uh, two irreplaceable hours of your your ever shortening life, Jordan, uh, check out our previous episode about the film All Night Long, where you can hear the moment where uh, Glenn and I, neither of us, realized that we were in fact watching a young Richard Attenborough. Oh really? In a in a huge role in that movie, and we kept calling him oh, that one guy who looks like whomever. And then yeah. uh, our guest Casey, also our theme song singer, she said, "You know that that's Richard Attenborough. Wow, it's like third okay. or fourth time you guys have failed to notice that that is Richard you don't Attenborough. Notice. Yeah. You don't like you yeah. don't imagine Richard Attenborough young ever. So anyway, Nigel is his assistant. George starts off mm. like giving um giving Eric a dirty look, just being a dick. And and this will be a recurring theme. This will be his comic arc throughout yeah. the movie. He's just being a dick. They throw a lot of information at us in this next scene where Etienne apparently is the guy that Eric killed and Susan has some scrapings. Did she find them? Did she make them? I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> scrapings are. But they suggest that the photo that he stole is true. Uh, Susan and George are at dinner, and Susan says, It's just, I have the funniest feeling about this bone. She has the funniest feeling about this bone, you know, and this is where mm. the MSG3K... There's a lot of, there's a lot of bone comments that yep. what one could giggle at if one was immature. <laughs> and I certainly did. I wrote down all of them. <laughs> I have never wanted to fuck as as uh, bad as George apparently does right after he got stung by all those wasps. <laughs> so. Sure, tense, tense, make the man horny. <laughs> loves a tent, uh, loves a brontosaurus Two watching. <laughs> Two tents, he's pitching a tent. Uh, there you go, okay, sure. Yeah. Morning. Morning. I heard about your husband's job. Congratulations, absolutely splendid. It should suit him. As you know, I can help you in Washington. You choose any school or museum you like, and I'll see that you get the highest possible recommendation. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Oh, and one thing you could do for me before you go, Dr. Pierre Dubois from the Red Cross is in the lab office up there. I don't know quite what he wants. Could you have a chat with him before you leave? Sure, of course I will. Are you leaving too? Just for a few days. In fact, we, um, we really should get going. Chop, chop. Well, very best of luck to you. Bye. Eric asks her to talk to a dude at the Red Cross who reports that some villagers died from eating an unusual animal. This is such a strange way in <laughs> to, yeah. this, yep. to this, this movie. Um, he's brought the same bone she has. It's not a mammal. She mm-hmm. should know that. Why is the Red Cross guy telling her it's not a mammal? She yeah. should know that. But there's right. this one shot where she holds the two bones up like this, like they're a pair of machine guns. And I wanted to see that movie. I wanted to see... Right? Yeah. <laughs> bone fighter. Bone fighter. We'll put that shot on on our spine Instagram. puncher. Fear not. <laughs> uh, Susan wants to take a detour to the village in question. George is a jerk again. Some more. She takes off in a copter. It's a long drive from Machu yeah. to the coast. It's like six hours. I think we see the first little bit of dinosaur at uh, at the thirty minute mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she takes off in a copter. He almost drives his motorcycle into the ocean. Like I was, yeah. I was worried. Uh, he calls her a bitch. Calls her a bitch. Charters a plane to Sangha. The pilot is a character. He calls himself Sky King, and Mm -hmm. he abuses his wife because that's comedy. Yeah. He'd whip his wife. We're all having fun. Four wives. Four wives? I got all I can handle with one. I can't let her get away with it. What would you do? If it were my wife, I'd whip the bitch. 
have anything to say about just the the negotiation where he's he's trying to charter the uh, with the one guy who definitely nope because the fireworks factory is just okay. sinking into the distance here. It's not getting any fucking closer. <laughs> so I was All right. I was kind of fast forwarding. George arrives at the village. There's a ceremony that's taking place over some corpses, which George almost walks right in the fucking middle of. Like he's just a dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A quick observation about the plane flight going over. Yep. The <laughs> actors, William Cat and whoever's playing Sky King, mm-hmm. they have not they cannot agree on how loud that plane is supposed to be. <laughs> Sky King is very casually chatting. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, it'll be another two hours. And, <laughs> and then William Cat is just where are we gonna get? And then Sky King will just very calmly respond. <laughs> no, <laughs> they did no work to agree on how loud the plane is. Yep, yep. Mm. So uh, Dick George confronts Susan, who's helping the Red Cross doctor tend to a dying man. They ask him what he ate, and he draws a brontosaurus in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Eric and Nigel find out about George and Susan. Uh, Patty McGee is not happy. Uh, Susan and George's guide refuses to go with them comedically. Um, and then they are tracking something big through the jungle. They are surrounded by villagers. Um, and this, oh, there's so mm. many ways this could have gone better, but like they, <laughs> they dangle some shiny digital baubles. That doesn't work. Uh-huh. George says some racist things. Susan takes a Polaroid. She takes some more. There's some mm. exchange of like, he's eating gruel and he's yeah. eating a bar. And I mean, the whole Ewok village section of this is just sure. kind of, uh, yeah. At marking time, marking time. At night, there's a ritual. They drink some probably psychoactive substances. Uh, she asks about the brontosaurus. She gets a weird response, and then the locals disappear. Then they hear a strange beast noise. We are at least 30 minutes in, and yeah. they retire for the evening. She matter-of-factly takes her birth control, a nice little thing that I noticed that... Uh, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, oh. like just, just as she's sitting down, she's like, yep, because she is... She's it's not going to be. Oh, interesting. It's very good. She's not going to be. That They had that conversation at like minute six, you mm-hmm. know, where it's like our, our real life will start when we get back to the States. When's the real life? Start? Yeah. That, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, I think that's the closest thing the movie has to like something to chew on is we have this couple who want different things and she has these career moves she wants to make and he has different ones and they're kind of at odds. And, uh-huh. yeah. and yeah, and there is this this kind of unexpected dynamic where the man and the couple wants the kids and she's not sure yeah i think that's that's like the closest the movie comes to being at all like interesting or like having a theme yeah. um, having something to say absolutely it all just kind of goes goes in the trash but uh but yeah so i think for, for a couple of moments this is kind of like an interesting relationship and and that birth control thing is that's a great detail i didn't catch yeah that. i didn't either but you said jordan that you clocked some similarities and i mean in in jurassic park uh, alan grant and ellie sattler i mean they're in a relationship right in that movie and they're yeah. sort of like not sure whether they want to get married and fit, like but i mean they're kind of tentatively intermittently discussing it and and then they end up in the course of this adventure spending some time with these children right isn't that all going on in, in jurassic park? yeah and that, yeah that and seems, it's a kind yeah. of like maybe now we don't we're more suspicious of this theme, but the like people who don't want kids going through the ordeal and realizing like, you know what? We should live the heteronormative life society. Yeah. Wants us to. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah I think that's alert. a similar. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's a similarity. I would, I would, uh, I would call yes. Sean Young's whole look, Laura Dern esque. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. A lot of, a lot of 
a lot of khaki. What they learned from when they went to the island where all of the dinosaurs were of a single gender and they managed to reproduce anyway right. was... Exactly. That life finds a way. Uh-huh. Speaking of, so she takes her birth control. He makes a move. There is a rumbling in the jungle. She begs <laughs> off. He presses his... He, be, he insists. She relents. He presses his husbandly rights. His husbandly rights. You can imagine McGee uh, rolling that R, right? His yes, exactly. Rights. The... Rights. <laughs> Our nobles shall have sexual rights to her on the night of her wedding. So he attacks the tent as soon as they start to make out. He is like the Jason Voorhees of, of the jungle, where he hates <laughs> yeah. people having sex. No, thank you, man. Nope. nope. Not in my jungle. <laughs> Not in my jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel and Eric are traveling upriver with a group of mercenaries. Uh, Nigel is rocking. Did you guys clock this shirt that Nigel is rocking? He is wearing a shirt a shirt that is a map of the world. <laughs> I did see that. Yes. Awesome. It is <laughs> yeah. crazy. It is ugly as fuck, but it is kind yeah. of Banana Republic. You know, sure. when Banana Republic first came onto the scene right. back in the 80s, and, and it was kind of still like, oh, we have mm. Panama hats, and we have, you know... Yeah, it, is, it has kind of an like like an ugly, cool, normcore vibe about it. I think mm-hmm. you, I mm-hmm. could see like a cool 20-year-old yep. rocking that to a flea market or something. Totally, totally, totally. Glenn, you are not someone who's ever been shy about telling men when their shirts are too tight. I think his shirt is too <laughs> yeah. tight. Is it not... No, sure. He doesn't have. I think all his shirts are too tight. He should not be wearing it that tight, but, you know, it was the 80s and people did that. Um, Also, in that that humid environment. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem smart. I want to wear something that breathes. Yeah. Um, We get a tiny bit of backstory that that apparently Eric Eric has been chasing this Bronto for years. That's probably why Patrick McGee signed off. He thought this was going to be his white whale. He probably. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You're Ahab, Patrick. You're Ahab. And like nothing, nothing at all. Yeah. Um, we're old friends. We get him, you know, we get a moment of him saying, on the contrary, my dear Cuddle, which, you know, for me, it's, a, it's yeah. like they're throwing me uh-huh. a bone. Yeah, me there's right. some bone. little moments of fun. It's There's a kind of a fun moment where all the mercenaries are like just dicking around on the boat and like Victimizing throwing. Victimizing Nigel, yeah. yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's their volleyball scene. That is absolutely Yeah, they're like throwing melons scene. up into the air and shooting they're them with They're playing with the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is this absolutely essential, Colonel? They are frightened men, Professor. They need their diversions. I wish you were looking for something in an area the government controlled. Uh, the natives are scared to death of the Makeda Mabemba. I don't think they'd present any problem to us. You aren't frightened? No, on the contrary, my dear Colonel. I've been on this trail for far too long. We're like old friends. I don't know why this is funny, but in that that shot of uh, Patty McGee in his glorious white suit and his Panama hat and and the colonel while they're while they're watching all the soldiers goof off, and in the frame next to him is this crate that's stamped medical supplies. <laughs> and yeah. Why is that funny to me? Couldn't tell you. It's full of band aids. It's just so non-specific. <laughs> <laughs> and later, later on in the camp, it would be like a parel scientifique. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, so um, Susan and George find a brontosaurus. They stumble a fucking cross, a brontosaurus. Uh, she doesn't have her camera out. She's a scientist. She should have her camera out. This dinosaur reveal, this is very reminiscent of the shot in Jurassic Park where, where we see the bronto for it the is. first time. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do think that's, this is like the clearest one. And am I wrong? Yeah. I think this is yeah. stop motion. Right? Do we agree that this might be the, the uh, only one of the few moments of stop motion in the whole thing? I don't think it's a dude in a suit, the way that the, the baby the is. The way that little baby is definitely two people in a horse costume. Yeah. 
or one uncomfortable person in a horse costume. I cannot <laughs> tell. I looked for behind the scenes feature. I think it's one uncomfortable person in a horse costume. Okay. Yeah, and I just want to say quickly, since we're ragging on this movie so much, since we are specifically deservedly going to rag on the dinosaur effects so much, these couple of shots, these full body shots of the Brontosaurus, these are pretty good. Whether it's stop motion, these shots look good and this is one of the few places where you can really hear that goldsmith's score that he apparently so loves swell and it's a it's a good moment it's an effective moment so they follow the dude dad to the mama and there's a hatchling and then as soon as there's two of them in a shot and we just see their heads, then we switch to the puppetry. Then we yeah. switch to yeah. the Muppets kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of nodding and <laughs> going, hey, welcome. It's time to light the music. Um, this is some serious 1970s era Jungle Cruise yeah. animatronics mm-hmm. with, uh. with the dead eyes and there's just nothing going on and they spent... So much money, I'm sure, but the, it's yeah. just... Um, it, time really clouds this stuff, but I sense that for the time, this looked bad. I think this, for the time, this looked bad. Like, they're... Yeah. How many years before Jurassic Park is this? Eight years. Eight yeah. years. Okay. All right. And what other CGI things were going on at that time? Not much, right? Like, CGI wasn't a thing. So, 85, I think, is the same year that there is a... In young Sherlock Holmes, I think there was a very brief CGI thing that's... Like, it's just a few seconds. Before this, there was the last Starfighter, which used a lot of, like, kind of primitive CGI, but it was not supposed to look photorealistic, I don't think. It was Mm -hmm. supposed to look like a video game of that era, but it's really, it's, you know, it's the abyss in 89 and then Terminator two in 91 Mm -hmm. that are the Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Tron where they're, they're rotoscoping something that's already been photographed Mm -hmm. conventionally. Right. I think the abyss and T2 are where they really refine the ability to animate things that aren't there and seamlessly blend them with real photography. So they lay out some fruit, some Malumbo fruit for the Brontosaurus. George goes swimming, and there's some swimming hijinks with one being underwater and the other one being above water. And like, who That's is this fine. for? Who is this fucking for? Like, like parents <laughs> yeah. are going to be bored. Kids are not going to be like, why is this? This is not funny. What is this about? Um, yeah. Did we skip over the uh, uh, mama getting tranked and daddy getting yet. machine gunned nope. already? Have yeah, we that okay. comes later. And comes the, later. Yeah. Eric and Nigel show up. They trank the big Bronto. The other Bronto comes up. They shoot the shit out of it. Um, yeah, that, and that's a thing where I don't think we ever get a good explanation for. So the tranquilizer darts work pretty well on the first one. Uh-huh. I think it takes two and then it goes down. Uh-huh. The other dinosaur comes in and starts acting threatening, and instead of doing the same thing, they machine gun and grenade it. It's so, yeah. like, you have yeah. a you have the gun that worked fine on that one. You want to get them both back to the mainland for something. I'm assuming they'll just, like, chain them up like King Kong in a theater or something. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the fact that yeah. they, like... I mean, I know, you know, for drama, because, uh, you know, it's, right. it's uh, to heighten the drama, but the, there's yeah. no explanation for why. I don't, I don't know why. what it means, if anything, that Nigel is the one who actually tranks Mama first. Yeah. But yeah. then after that, every time one of the soldiers are hitting her again, he's the one who's claimed, that's too much. You're going to, you know, I, you're going to kill her. I would argue that they tried to set this up by having the mercenaries just totally fucking disdain Nigel. So they're not going to listen to Nigel. When he says, no, I'm going to trank her, I think they're going to be like, we know better. Yeah, I would argue that. I don't think 
the film knows it's doing that. I think Nigel's the only competent one in this movie. <laughs> you know what? That's who my Disney Plus series is going to be about. I'm changing it. I'm changing it. It's going to be the Nigel show. Nigel just, colon origins. Just you can do so much merch. He's got the map. Shirt. He's got, he's the, got map the map shirt. at all times. He's... Where so, did he get it? Where did he get the map? <laughs> George the map soon... <laughs> There is a scene, by the way, where um, Eric is looking at the dinosaur who has just been tranked. And it is, I mean... I think we noticed green screen even back then, but it's just the fakest thing in yeah. the world. It's just a, it's a, such a, it's, it's so uh, apparent today. George and Susan find them. George steps out of the bush bellowing. I impression you were a scientist. What? You can have it stuffed right here on the spot? Mr. Loomis, you will kindly keep your mouth shut. Secure the creature, would you? Yes. Don't do it, Nigel. Well, I... Go! <laughs> your prisoner we do not take prisoners because i baby wants to join her mother they try to keep baby from joining the mother the natives come and they attack the mercenaries there's this big firefight it goes on for a while later yeah and that's and that's that's a thing that just like careens into this movie is a plot about an african civil war like the most Mm. bummer (laughs) brutal thing to think about in the middle of this kids movie because i think it's trading on stereotypes it's trading on like oh african country civil war like yeah yeah. they're they're trading on um so baby mourns the dad i guess wild vultures peck at his flesh (laughs) wild vultures peck at his flesh and he's like not the mama We got a nice insert of those bullet wounds, of those uh, yeah. entry wounds of uh, right on uh, daddy's neck there. Really good for the kids. And then here's where the movie makes no sense to me, because they are disdaining Eric for wanting to capture the mother and bring it back. And their plan is to capture baby and bring her back and beat Eric. It's yeah. like, what? why are we yeah. on your side, people? Who are we rooting for? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But he's British, so yeah, sure. Worse, right. more evil. <laughs> Look at that Panama hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some <laughs> wacky baby gets into underpants hijinks, which they looked foul. They That's looked, fun. That's fun skin, when he gets the underpants marks. on his head. Come on. Yeah. They lure baby into a trap with a tent. Uh, there's some recorded Bronto sounds. There's some Malumbo fruit. This is the opposite of what riveting is. Was that a recording? Was that meant to lure baby with yes. the recorded yeah, sound? Where did they okay. get it? I was a little too. confused. I think yeah, they probably right. recorded the mom and the dad mm-hmm. at some point. Okay. Um, it's like one of those bird call. This I think this comedy section, while bad, (laughs) I think there's some there's some fun to be had here. I will say that I I think both this is nine year old Jordan uh, actually. Yeah, this this is is, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I probably thought I probably fucking rewound that underpants (laughs) thing forty times. I I do think that both Sean Young and William Cat the comedy is bad, but they're like doing a pretty good job. I think that their patter is pretty good, and I think Cat during this segment. Does a I just got hit in the nuts take that oh, yeah. is Sandler level beautiful. <laughs> and I don't say that lightly. Cat <laughs> takes it in the nuts from baby's yeah. tail and gives a do to yep. camera yep. that is yep. <laughs> Because it's, we it's have beautiful. entered the hijinks chunk of the movie yeah. where there's tent hijinks, 
There's foot in the junk hijinks. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. wasp hijinks. Two minutes after the African Civil War, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's baby interrupts sexy time hijinks. Yeah. Uh, there's baby then seems hurt, right? And and pieces out. Yeah. Like, well, if I can't join you, if you're not going to invite me into your, into your threesome, if we're not going to be a thruple. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. They, like, yell at him when he interrupts them having sex, like, out in the open, like, not even in the tent Yuck. anymore. They're just... Yeah, on the ground, and they Wait. yell at him, and then after they, what gender is baby? I think they call it a she, right? Don't they call it a she? I thought so. Yeah, I think they do too. But we want to use the correct pronouns because we're progressive people. They mm. come across where Eric and Nigel are keeping the mother sedated. They try to free her. They say they'll take her back to her baby, but that's a fucking lie. That's not what they're. Yeah, do. yeah. Uh, they are taken prisoner by the People's Army. Here's the subplot that uh, goes mm-hmm. precisely mm-hmm. nowhere. And then Eric, you know. Patrick McGowan, because I guess he put it in his contract, he says, that in a bit of a pickle. And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> you're throwing me a bone. Yeah, is I guess that a like reference to uh, the prisoner? No, or is that but just it's a, just a, a fun line. thing for him to say. It's the best we're going to get until he gets to say, the game, the game is over. Is over. Is yeah, over. I noted that. I noticed that. I'm like, there he is. There there's is. some, I mean, it's the most cliche line. But yeah, when he, he says is. that, you're like, there's, yeah. a, there's a fucking villain. There's a, you know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so then Patty McGee comes to visit them in the tent. This is the Belloc visits Marion in the tent scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, without the clothes hanger, without the fun torture device clothes hanger gag. A brontosaurus hatchling. Amazing find. Remarkable object for study. I don't know what you're talking about. I read your notes, my dear. Your behavioral observations were most impressive. A little unschooled, but uh, written on the run, I realize that. You've attached a homing transmitter to the hatchling, have you not? It can't be too far away. I think we can track it down. The hatchling. That's very dear to me. I'm going to find it. You're going to help me. And we learn that Nigel turns out to be, you know, he's going to suffer a bad fate here, but he is the voice of reason. He's the one, well, the mother's heartbeat is unsteady. They've tracked her too much. Yeah. <laughs> What are we to do? Which is a, yes. just a great... As they'll say in every episode of Downton Abbey ever. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. exactly. What is to be done? The animal. A heartbeat's irregular. The breathing's impaired. I told him no more tranquilizers. Well, all he ever thinks about is being made a general. Now he's planning to airlift her by crate in a helicopter. And you'll never survive it. Oh, Eric. What are we doing? Go to bed, Nigel. Sleep. I'll have a chat with the colonel. Well, what Eric does is trank the colonel. He tranks, and again. That's a good scene. He was preparing to trank the dinosaur to near death, so that means mm-hmm. it's going to kill this guy, right? That, like, yeah. That's, that's what we... Yeah, uh, the this is almost property. killing a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rather restive, and I have just prepared some of this very special serum. It, it doesn't fit our instrument. May I? This is our very best stuff. Guaranteed to reduce her to near death. Thank you. And uh, total immobility. Oh, spare me your sarcasm, Professor. Certainly. What I liked about that is for most of this movie, we're, we're watching uh, Patty lurch around on his cane. Mm-hmm. But after after he sh- blows that dart into the colonel's chest, he is uh, lightning fast. Oh, he yeah. zips over and puts his hand over his mouth and lows him down. It's like, wow, this, this guy has There's a scene where he's going to jump been... out of a, a copter and it's not 
It's not a stunt double. He jumps out of the copter. That's him, I think. I'm pretty sure it's him. Uh, so he frames Susan and George. Gotta get out of that village. They're CIA because, you know, it's the 80s and it's Africa, mm-hmm. and I guess that's what you do. Yes. Uh, the there's something about tracking the hatchling and finding the CIA's hidden gold. Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> it's the baby, the secret of the lost legend of Curly's gold. What? But- did I miss? <laughs> when did this happen? I to- This is absolutely new to me. Yeah. He, huh. The, the way he gets the colonel to go along with it, he says, oh, they're CIA, and they have hidden gold, and so I'm going to take oh, you to their oh, hidden gold. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so they all get no chopper. They find baby. Uh, the colonel, under colonel, the guy, not the, the guy who's not the colonel, but the guy who was under the colonel, loads a trank dart, and there's a... Do you call this a chase scene? <laughs> I don't know what's good. Yeah. The cat chopper goes real slow. and the, Baby is running away. The chopper is... Yeah, I'd call it a chase. And uh, they drop a dummy from the chopper, you know, very clearly a dummy. Yeah, from our the heroes kick a man out of the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Dude, you feel like this is one of those like Apocalypse Now things where Coppola hired the real army of Thailand or wherever it was and kept not getting his shots because they, you know, he'd get all the helicopters in place and then they'd go be called away to go like fight an actual battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, sorry, Francis. It yep. does. It does seem like there's a lot of like non-actors in this. Mm-hmm. This was not a cool, you know, modern helicopter like you, you'd get in a you know Rambo movie or something. Yeah. Like it, it, it kind of seemed like this is what was available there, yeah. and I don't know. Gave it a note of uh, verisimilitude. I it did okay. Um, so they jump out of the chopper into the river, and this river it must be there must be leeches, there must be piranha, oh, yeah. there must be all kinds of nasty shit in that. Uh, they greet baby. And baby's like, all's forgiven. Oh, you're not going to bone now? I guess we're friends again. Um, <laughs> so they find a cave and they climb yeah. inside. Uh-huh. And the chopper lands. And this is where Patty McGee jumps out of the chopper. And it's like a little, mm-hmm. like he's 57, we, I'm 54. I couldn't jump out of that chopper like that. And when we see them, we see our heroes make a torch. And then everybody else just has torches. <laughs> Everyone else <laughs> yes. just has a pre-made yes. torch that look yep. the same as theirs. They're, yep. they're amazing mm-hmm. torches. Uh, mm-hmm. They follow them into the cave. All I require is the hatchling. It's not yeah. a bad line. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, there's bats, and th- this is like this is how we establish that Baby has established a connection to Sean Young. They're in my hair, which is a myth. I, I think we all can agree that bats get in your hair. And uh, she's oh no, and then there's a scene where Baby's paw comes up and kind of shoes the bat yeah. out of her hair. It's kind of like shoot. <laughs> it's the goofiest. It's the goofiest it's like, shit in history. It's, it's, it's like a Bronto's can they lift their leg that high? I, I mean, don't. Maybe it was them. Maybe it was the maybe it's the mouth. I can't remember, but it was like just some I would like, think the the tail would be the rip. the useful yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember the shot, but uh, I, it seems seems like that is the the most useful uh, you know digit that they have yep. available for brushing bats away. <laughs> so they come upon a waterfall in this cave, and they backed into actually making me worry for these characters. <laughs> they kind of like all of a sudden I was like, yeah, yeah that would be terrifying. This would be bad. Like you yeah. jump into a waterfall, mm-hmm. you have no idea if there's an outlet. There must be because mm-hmm. the water's flowing to some place, but there's yep. no guarantee it's ha- it's flowing sure. above ground. I was actually like. The one time I got anxious in this entire Yeah, movie. the thought of being like trapped underwater is really scary, like yep. being in a cave and you don't know where you are. There's some like visceral thrills in this scene. You watch that scene and you you like think, uh, Last of the Mohicans is a really good movie. The Fugitive is a really good movie. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see them push Baby over the waterfall. Did Baby jump? Did they push Baby over the waterfall? I didn't, all, they, all of a sudden, it was just the two of them at the lip of the waterfall. And it was like, oh, did Baby yeah, oh, good question. Yeah. go over? 
Um, and then we see the waterfall from the outside, and there is some hilarious animation of two dots kind of coming just... <laughs> That is, I know, it's so, it's it's so bad. But this waterfall seems to be like shooting out of the side of a cave. I'm like, there's no way this is based on any natural thing that happens with water. I don't know, man. It is definitely the ninth hole of this mini golf course. Yeah. That is the the Mm -hmm. most difficult option. This is where you win your free game for next time. (laughs) Totally. You go past the windmill. Yeah. <laughs> so they're out, and Baby smells something. She goes after her mom. Get a hot dog and play some metal slug. <laughs> <laughs> and they get captured again. Patty McGee. No, actually, it's Baby who just gets captured. They're still in the in the along the river. And then Patty McGee, who gets on a megaphone and and delivers a little speech to them. When I would assume, if I were Patty McGee, that they're dead because they went down a waterfall. But maybe not because Baby went down. Didn't a it give you life to see him with the uh, with the megaphone this again? This is what I'm going to say. This Jordan is a callback to a prisoner episode, Free for All, where if you're looking for it, and I am desperately looking for any kind of callback. There's a whole thing. There's, he gives a whole speech on, over a megaphone, and he says, Those who come in here and deny that we can supply every conceivable civilized amenity within our boundaries. You can enjoy yourselves, and you will. You can partake of the most hazardous sports, and you will. The price is cheap. All you have to do in exchange is give us information. You can pursue the most hazardous sports, and you will. <laughs> Uh, Sky King shows up and he says, we'll steal it back. And then, uh, so Nigel is doping up baby and at this camp that they're about to leave from. And then Susan, Susan and George comes by, he commits arson, uh, Mm -hmm. to, to some apparel scientifique. And, uh, this is a giant distraction. Then explain this to me, Sean Young and the chief of the tribe exchange hand signals which they haven't established with any language. So that can't be good. Uh, Mm. (laughs) is the, is the leader. He gets a machine gun and, um, this is all bad. And then there's explosions, there's gunfire. And you know what? If you told me when I was a kid that at one point I'd see the prisoner and the greatest American hero, like duking it out, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe that's a thing. This is like, this is like, a, a crappy ass Avengers where the people are coming together. Uh-huh. It's the Marvel universe of just really lame things. Yeah. Whoa, whoa it's Hutch. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody called for a cop. Yeah. It's totally. Get on it's, my it's, motorcycle. <laughs> it's just Starsky. Only yeah. Starsky. So uh, she releases the mother, uh, Sean Young does, and then uh, Nigel gets electrocuted and he makes the fucking stupidest face to be electrocuted by when the wire comes down. It's just oh. a kind of comical electrocution face. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric tries to escape with Baby. The mother goes after him. Green screen, green screen, green screen. Uh, the mom, how fast did a brontosaurus run? They didn't run 50 mm. miles an hour, Jordan. Like, they, they they wouldn't catch up with this. No, no, very inaccurate. This, mm, this okay. is where the no. movie lost me, Glenn. <laughs> When the Brontosaurus was running too fast, this is where it lost me. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, this yeah. is not the the T Rex running after the Jeep. No, no, indeed. Although that that objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. That's still a good gag. Great it's gag. It's a solid gag. So the mom always catches up with Eric, and then he drives off. They catch up with Eric. Uh, Susan and George catch up with Eric and smash his windshield, which is a very aggressive move. Um, he crawls out of the wreckage, sees the unconscious baby next to him. This is Eric, and experiences a moment of remorse perhaps and then mama comes I read along it that way 
growling and chomps him with no teeth. She has no teeth, and yet she manages to yeah. She's gums him, him to death. Bitch. Yeah, I think that would be worse, death. right? I think that would take longer. That would be like the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're totally. digested over the course of thousands of years. Thousands yeah, yeah, of yeah. years. Uh, Mamet approaches baby. This is supposed to be a very emotional, heightened, emotional moment, and it's just puppet nuzzling. Just two puppets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mama and baby then head off on their own. George and Susan kiss because they're going to be together. Everything's fine, and she's mm-hmm. going to pump out six kids for him. Yeah, uh-huh. she learned the air of her way. She it's learned good to she, be a mom. She was uppity, and that's the end. And that horrible. This is my fun. wife, Holly Gennaro, Holly McLean. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's that. So yeah, this movie. Um, Thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Chris, you and I are critics. <laughs> we hate right. rotten. We, well, Chris and I are critics. We hate Rotten Tomatoes because it's just you right. can't. The idea of a numerical score—that's not how writing sure. works. Everything about it, I hate. Yeah, and and also uh, Top Gun Maverick currently holds a mere ninety-seven percent. Okay. When in fact it is a perfect movie. Apparently, I haven't seen it. It's a perfect six. All right. So Paul Atencio, his review for the Post. Uh, this guy went on to write scripts for Sphere, Johnny Brasco, Some of All Fears. Very successful guy. Oh, Sphere, like another uh, a Crichton. Another. Crichton. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Is it? Is it any good? No. No. Uh, <laughs> he. The book's great, though. The book's great. Right, they didn't. Right. They don't get it right in the movie. <laughs> the book is great. And who is that? Is that a god? Just based on the ninety, like who? Mm. If I didn't know every movie that Joel Schumacher made in the 90s, I would guess that was a Schumacher joint because that was the era in which you would just put Schumacher on a, you know, like a second tier book from an yeah. A-list author. That's a good guess. I don't know who directed Sphere, but um, great guess. So uh, here's a couple lines from Paul Atten's, uh, Atanasio's uh, mm-hmm. post review. This was only in 1985. Her husband, George, is a sports writer who is taking a leave to be with his wife. <laughs> Tarzan swinging on an apron string gross that wow. is fucking oh terrible God, what are you doing come on <laughs> and then um and then toward the end of the review mired in all of this is the beautifully tawny tawny wah. mired oh, in all of this is the beautifully tawny thin-limbed sean young playing mm. every princeton mm. co-ed you ever wanted to invite upstairs to hear you recite your poetry darn Jesus. that pg rating darn that pg rating Ooh, darn wow. <laughs> he was <laughs> The post Stephen Hunter before Stephen Hunter. Well, yeah, Stephen Hunter was a pig, but like, I mean, like he was a military, like, oh, I'm a, they had the wrong ordinance. That guy was like, yeah, was, no, was he was a gun nut, but he also like, there are at least three different reviews where in re Monica Bellucci, uh, or maybe maybe it's um, Angelina Jolie, who's like those lips, those eyes, those lips. Yeah, which I just okay. just imagine him fighting uh, to to keep that in. Um, what I what I pulled out of. Uh, Atanasio's review, I guess because I was feeling more charitable than you, Glenn, was um, that he called the adventure plot Yabba Dabba Dubious. That's pretty good. Okay. Is it? I like Yabba Dabba Dubious. Jordan? He didn't call out the racist. <laughs> one out of one, one to six, Glenn. Yabba Dabba Dubious. <laughs> I don't know about that. But he did call out racist. So, like, he had, you know, he was. Sure, we, all can, we all contain multitudes. All right. Yes. Uh, notable Players. only for the racist ridicule of the Africans involved and a lot of cutesy stuff that has less, less to do with Dr. Jane Goodall, I know who that is, than Dr. Leo Bascaglia. I don't know who that well, is. He was a, uh, famously in the 80s, he was a doctor um, who had a lot of PBS specials about how we all need to hug each other. It's, he was, mm. a, he was uh, called the love okay. doctor and he talked about how we oh. need to love each other more and I hated every fucking thing about it. Um... <laughs> So now we rate this movie. I think we start with our guest, rate on a score of one to six, Jordan. What do you so, think of Baby, 
the secret. Uh, baby colon secret. Colon. Of the lost <laughs> secret of the lost legend. Um, I think it might be a comma still. I, we're going to need to get a ruling on this. Yeah, we're going to need to call this YouTube grammar guy. <laughs> would the, Lady, excuse would me. the punctuation affect your, your evaluation, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the title could use some punctuation. Um, but, I mean, you, know. you also have to, like, could I use want a you legend. to honor the inner child. I want you to honor nine-year-old yeah. jordan like nine-year-old jordan loved this movie watched it many times so don't don't you know diss him i want you to accept him into your heart yeah and and and, and i think you're absolutely right glenn i think that that we all need to honor our inner child especially in these turbulent times yeah. okay mm. and <laughs> as dr leo Buscaglia would say <laughs> So yeah, again, I think I mentioned I mentioned that I I have to go see all these Jurassic Park sequels, and I could not tell you if they mm. were actually good. I just loved them, mm-hmm. and I Dominion. was feeling similar feelings watching this. This gave me this reminded me of like it's it's Friday night. Mom picked up a pizza and a video. Aww. Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. Yeah, so you know what I'm gonna say for those for those purposes. Let's give it a four. Let's give it a four. It has a nice eighties sheen on it. Uh, it, does, it does. I don't. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I think you know. Here's here's what I'll say. I right. think if you remember this movie from your childhood, mm-hmm. uh, a little rewatch can be fun. I think if you have no connection to any of this, um, no reason to watch it. If you have a dinosaur kid in your life, this is probably. <laughs> too problematic to show them now you probably need an adult's uh processing to kind of like weed out all the shit that sucks in it um so yeah but i think if this was a childhood movie for you as it was for me a little rewatch can be fun so i'll say four now i don't want to put words in your mouth jordan but it it would be a three if not for that font right i mean that that font kicks it up a font kicks it up oh yeah Yeah. i love the font i'm doing redoing my business cards in the baby (laughs) font that's what i said down at the stationery store give me the baby (laughs) but jordan on your own podcast recently you mentioned how three men of the baby three men and a baby i think has no jokes in it right and Uh. the 80s-osity of this movie keep leonard nimoy's name out of your filthy (laughs) i mean it's 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 boring. <laughs> it is. It's a snooze. It's, it's a goddamn really snooze. It's a really boring movie. Mm-hmm. There is not enough. I mean, again, I'm not trying to say that we're all like, uh, oh, action addled, uh, oh, uh, small attention, uh, short attention span, blah, blah, blah. But this is a boring no, movie. No, it's and- boring, yes. And and yes, and I, I think that that uh, modern pedant aside who, uh, <laughs> oh, just another fucking CGI battle with the comic book. Yeah, that, uh. yes, this is boring. Um, it has exactly the same runtime as its fellow 1985 release, Commando, which ain't boring. No, uh-uh. that'd be a fun right. rewatch. <laughs> is Patrick is Patrick McGowan in that? <laughs> Let's say he is. We've Bill Duke is. seen Jordan. You don't have the track record that we do with this podcast of, mm-hmm. of watching some really shitty movies and mm-hmm. like and 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 yeah. Where does movies, this rank? Where does this and, rank? And boring movies that were ah. made for kids that are too boring for kids. <laughs> so I wanted to rate this one out of six because it's boring, but it's not made for kids. Like Thomasina is a boring movie that is made for kids, and that should that's mm-hmm. terrible. But it has a song. It's got a song that uh, Baby doesn't have a song. In fact, keeping in mind, this was 1985. Let's all lightning round here. Let's all say who should have performed the title song for Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. Whitney. I would say Whitney. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, love theme from Baby. Uh, <laughs> love theme from Baby. <laughs> this is okay. So this is like kind of this is near the Diana Ross comeback, right? Mm. It's close. Yeah. It's very close. So I think she she would be great. Yeah, mm. she kind of like she went Jesusy for a while, and then mm-hmm. she kind of joined mm-hmm. her joined her people again. So yeah, I would give that to her. But what would be the? It would be parentheses secret of, uh, theme love love theme from Secret of the Lost Legend. But what would be the title? The, oh, oh yeah. Be, parentheses would be the thing after that. Right. Like feet. But like, love, you, love you in my tent. Parentheses. <laughs> love theme from This baby. bone is 80 years old. Uh, theme from baby. Secret this bone makes me feel I, funny. Yeah, parentheses. I, was gonna say, I, was gonna, I got a funny feeling about the bone. Parentheses. Yeah, love theme. Bone. Yeah. Boy. Said Skeletor's Tinder date. <laughs> Shut up, Jordan. Right. Is, is it El DeBarge or, or DeBarge? Oh, Ooh, maybe my, that's that, it. DeBarge, DeBarge. I think they did a song for either Short Circuit or Short Circuit. Oh, too. I'm sure they did. All right, my, my rating. This is a boring movie. I don't know who it's for. I was going to give it one out of six, but at least it's I it's it's PG-13. Uh, two out of six. Two out of six. We've seen worse. We've seen Fair. far worse. Fair. We have. We have. Yeah, and I, I feel like I'm uh, I'm the softy. Uh, I'm the pushover when it comes to grades on this show. I'm, I'm going to give it a three. Wow. I'm give it a three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was no. I mean, it was boring. But um, coming into this blind, though, Chris, you came into this with no backstory. I don't know if you were a dinosaur kid. You weren't a dinosaur kid, were you? I vaguely, vaguely remembered seeing a trailer for it or, or ads for it on TV. And uh, yeah, but this is the first time I've seen this. And I, actually, uh, another question I want to ask, since since Jordan, you know, this is a a beloved document of Jordan's right. childhood, and um, because I'm desperate to believe that I outgrow anything ever. <laughs> Is um, I mean, basically all the shit that I liked when I was nine, I still like. You know, I mean, yeah. there are, there are some conditions on it. It's with some reservations, but there's very little that I have actually divorced myself from. Saying this, uh, this no longer has anything to offer me, and I'm I'm really trying to think of something right now. Why don't Why don't you start, Glenn? What's something that that nine or ten year old Glenn loved that uh, adult Glenn has uh, put away as one must childish things? Um, let's see, Heather Locklear. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I I would watch like the Fall Guy and the A Team, and all that boring, repetitive shit. And I can't imagine watching it now. Can't imagine watching it now. Yeah, I'll say Home Improvement. Wow. On that kick. Yeah. Good Boy, one, yeah. No, my my parents like that show. That that wasn't a show for for me. That was, you know, we we uh, before the Simpsons, the the show that all of the the boys in my house and and my my poor mother going along just to get along all parked ourselves in front of was Alf. Oh, Alf. So I guess I'll say yeah. Alf. Alf is probably bad, right? I, I can't imagine that's very good when you if you yeah. go back to it. We, we uh, watched a lot of Alf. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was there was a set up punchline, set up punchline thing that. Um, you can admire the craft of it. You can mm. say that this is a thing that is a representative of this thing. Mm. Yeah. Without it being any damn good. Boy. I've gotten into a lot of trouble saying I'm not a crazy nuts about the Golden Girls. My parents loved it, but I that whole set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline stuff. I mean, I don't I, I never it never it's it never infiltrated my wow. consciousness. As a gay man, that is that is a that is a bold statement. It's a bold, is, it's a bold uh, yeah, um, yeah. heretical. I would say heretical statement, but uh, <laughs> but you I'm got the grammar community after you. You don't need you don't need more enemies, Glenn. <laughs> you don't need to be me. making more enemies. I don't know the disbarred, the, excommunicated, the Arthurites, the B Arthurites, and the mm-hmm. Getty <laughs> goons. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> All right, Jordan, you. Um, 
you are on a, a number of shows that have a vastly larger reach than this one, but because it's polite to ask, what would you like to plug? <laughs> uh, yes, thank you. Very polite. Uh, so yes, as Glenn mentioned, uh, I do a chat podcast called uh, Jordan Jesse Go. Ooh. It's just a it's just a goofy mm-hmm. fuck around. Glenn is a beloved recurring guest, so if you want to sample the show, maybe check out Glenn's episodes. Uh, yeah, and and uh, you know, I thought I was done talking about this, but uh, hell, I'll talk about it. Uh, Glenn mentioned uh, I do I, I co-wrote a graphic novel called yeah, Bubble. Uh, yeah. Eisner nominated for in two sure. different categories. It is a sci-fi comedy that many have compared to The Prisoner. Uh, not a formative text for me, but uh, definitely some of the uh, I'm I'm trapped in a hermetically sealed environment. Uh, sci-fi tropes are in there. It's about a bunch of goofy hipsters who live in this little bubble that's kind of like a Silver Lake or a Brooklyn, and they have to fight <laughs> monsters in this kind of um, you know life or death version of the gig economy. I co-wrote with a great comedy writer named Sarah Morgan. Uh, mm-hmm. The art is by the wonderful artist Tony Cliff, who does the Delilah Dirk series. Uh, colors by Natalie Reese, who does the Dungeon Critters series. And yeah, and uh, it's out there. It's, uh, it's Eisner nominated, and it's wherever you get your books and comic books. That is fantastic. That sounds uh, amazing. That is that is two more Eisner nominations than Stan Winston ever got. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, rotten hell, Winston. Are you dead? <laughs> I don't know. Eat it. <laughs> Suck it, Winston. Eat it. Special <laughs> effects legend. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I, I know you and you and uh, Glenn are old old pals. Um, but uh, it is lovely to meet you. I've enjoyed this so much. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. This was really fun. This was a fun, of like, course. this of is a fun, fun memory no lane to go down. Thank you. I'm thank glad you. you did. I'm glad you did. Yeah. You, you kind of helped me see it in a different light, not a new light. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> a, entirely yeah. A light <laughs> not a never, good light, <laughs> but a light. Not a good light, but a more generous light. This could have been padded out to fill three installments of the wonderful world of Disney. Oh, so, you know, yeah. just, just uh, count your blessings, buddy, mm. instead of sheep. Do we need to say what we're doing next? Do we know what we're doing I next? I don't know what we're doing next, so probably not. <laughs> I think it's time for us to ask Linda back. Her second novel is about to be published. She said she would come back and do A Time to Kill with us. I want her to, yeah, come and, uh, you know, promote her, her imminent book. She's got... <laughs> to our dense, intensive <laughs> listeners. Yeah, she's got plenty of outlets to do, to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she will have more. That thing is going to be huge. Again, the last one was huge. This is going to be huger. Mark my words. It's called Flying Solo, right? Mm-hmm. Well, everyone thought Solo was going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. <laughs> Lucasfilm had to dramatically recalibrate. Uh, like the entire <laughs> business Bring in Ron Howard to rewrite the book. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And there is that scene in it where... Where uh, somebody asks her, what, what's your book called? And she says, uh, Solo. And they go, Flying Solo. Flying Solo. Yeah. Yes. All right. Until then, be seeing you. Be seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it, it is. It's a prisoner thing. If you can do it with a little, little vaguely threatening inflection, that'd be great. Mm, be seeing you. Six out of six. Sweet.
Degree Absolute was conceived by Glenn Weldon and is produced by me, Chris Klemek. I wrote our silly little theme song with my dear friend Casey Aaron Clark, who also arranged and performed it on keyboards and vocals with her brother Jonathan Clark on guitar and percussion and Marcus Newstead on bass. Check out Casey at CaseyAaronClark.com and or VitalVoiceTraining.com. Follow us on Twitter at NotAnumberPod. Follow us on Instagram at A Degree Absolute. And write the Citizens Advice Bureau at a degree absolute at gmail.com. If you leave a five-star review for us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you favor, along with your wildest prisoner take, we will eventually feature those takes on a future episode. If you like our show, tell a friend. Now we gotta go. It's almost time for Glenn's primal therapy session. I hear him getting ready. It's no degree partial, it's a degree absolute. absolute. The game is over. <laughs>